Today we are in the fourth week of our Fulfilled series. We've been going through this series through Advent where we've unpacked all of the four themes of Advent, hope, love, joy, and today, peace. And we've been using the book of Isaiah as a way of being able to understand about the prophecies about Jesus and to be able to understand a little bit more about why he came and how those prophecies fit with these different themes. The first week we talked about hope and that Isaiah prophesied that this saviour, this rescuer, was going to come who was going to set things right once and for all and who was going to open the way for us to experience the way that God created us to be able to live. The second week we talked about love and we recognised the prophecy that this person was going to show us God's unfailing love, God's love that never fails, that never gives up on us ever and that that's the core and the motivation of everything that this saviour, this rescuer was going to be about. We then last week talked about joy and in particular talked about the transformation that's going to come with the arrival of this new king, this saviour, this rescuer, who's going to transform barren things to flourishing, transform weakness to strength and transform brokenness to wholeness. So question I want to ask you as we begin today is how's your expectation level? Because that was the point of this series was to say, how can we make sure that we're getting ourselves ready for Christmas Day, which is now only a couple of days away. Are you in the zone where you've got a good mindset to be able to say, isn't it incredible that this one person, Jesus, comes and fulfills all of these prophecies about who he is and comes and extends all of these different things to us? Hope, love, joy, peace. All of these things come with the arrival of this little baby who shows up, we will celebrate, on Tuesday. And so how is your expectation level? Are you ready for Christmas? Are you ready to celebrate the arrival of this newborn king? But I want us also to think about this idea of expectation as we put ourselves in the shoes of the Israelites as they hear these prophecies that Isaiah gave so long ago. Imagine what it must have been like for them to hear him say, this is the person who's going to come. Imagine the sense of expectation that they had, that this rescuer, this king was going to arrive on the scene who was going to do all of these things. But also imagine what it must have then been like for that not just to take four weeks and not just have a period of waiting that was a month and not just a couple of months and not just a couple of years and not just a couple of generations, but over time they just keep waiting and hoping and trusting that at some point this person is going to show up. And then imagine the sense of joy that actually does kick in when finally, centuries later, this king arrives on the scene. That's why the early church exploded the way that it did, because finally, after all this time, all of these prophecies have been fulfilled. All of these things that God has said he's going to do are finally in front of us. And so that's why we celebrate on Christmas Day. That's why we have this sense of joy and excitement. That's why the angels say that the arrival of Jesus is good news of great joy. And not just for the Israelites, but for everyone. That's what comes with the arrival of this new king. God has fulfilled his promises. God has come to be with us. Transformation is here and available to us right now. But it's also good for us to recognise that as the generations passed on, this understanding of what this king was going to be all about kind of got a little bit diverted from what we see in Jesus. 
Think about some of the prophecies that we've talked about. Think about what sort of king you would expect is going to come and overthrow the government, the one whose government is going to rest on this person's shoulders. What sort of king would you expect is going to come? This king who is going to make sure that all of the other nations that cause conflict stop doing that. What sort of king would you expect? This king who's going to come and set the oppressed free. Well, doesn't that by definition mean that the oppressors are going to be overthrown? And so the expectation that the majority of Israelites had, and this is a big part of the reason why a lot of people missed that Jesus was the one who fulfilled these, was of this amazing military king who was going to come on a horse with a big sword and deal out God's judgment and God's justice. Whenever I think about kings, I often think back to the times of the Middle Ages or think about the fantasy world. And in particular, my favourite book is Lord of the Rings, one of the best books ever written. And I've read this a number of times now. And when the movies came out, it was amazing. We had a great time at Boxing Day, a number of years in a row when Lord of the Rings came out. And so we have this King Aragorn, who is this very resistant king, a king who is very humble, a king who is very gentle, a king who doesn't actually want to take on the mantle of being the king, but who ultimately steps into this role of setting all of Middle-earth free from the evil oppressors who were coming to wipe people out. However, what is the way in which Aragorn gets his victory? He rallies the troops, rallies his army, gets on his horse with his fantastic sword and comes and deals judgment through violence. And so that was the expectation, that this is the sort of military general king who's going to come and set everyone free. But in today's reading, we discover more about this king and we recognise that this king comes to set up a very different type of kingdom, a kingdom that is a kingdom of peace because, as we've already discussed, he is the prince of peace. So in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, we read this. The royal line of David is like a tree that's been cut down. But just as new branches sprout from a stump, so a new king will arise from among David's descendants. So was another part of the challenge that the Israelites had was that they'd had this awesome king whose name was David. He was the epitome of what a fantastic king is supposed to be about. Someone who we're told was a man after God's own heart, but someone who also did establish Israel as a dominant nation who did manage to win a whole bunch of victories and set the Israelites up as this kingdom that was able to, in their minds, experience the way that God had set them up to be. And so the expectation of this new king who was going to come was that he was from the line of David. And we understand that two ways. The line of David in terms of coming from David's family tree, but also in the line of David in terms of being like David, the same sort of king as David was. But once again, as the centuries and generations have rolled on, David's family tree has kind of fallen apart. It's become a bit of a mess. And Isaiah uses this metaphor of it being like a tree that's been cut down, where there's just a stump left, and that's it. It's fallen apart. It's in tatters. There's nothing there anymore. And yet Isaiah says, out of this stump, out of this nothingness, is going to come a shoot that's going to turn into a branch that's going to establish a new tree that's going to set things up again. God hasn't actually given up on the Israelites. God hasn't given up on his plan 
He's going to use these broken, flawed people to bring his healing and his restoration to reality. And it's a great reminder to us that God does love to do that, to get us back to the basics, that sometimes things need to be cut out of our lives individually and collectively so that something healthy and something more fruitful can grow out. God has a habit of doing that, allowing all of the stuff to get taken away so that we can get back to the core of who he is. And so through the rest of our reading today, we have a good understanding about what the values are that this new king from the line of David is going to establish. What is this new tree actually going to look like? And so he says in verse 2, The Spirit of the Lord will give him wisdom and the knowledge and skill to rule his people. He will know the Lord's will and honour him and find pleasure in obeying him. So the Spirit of the Lord will give this new king a sense of wisdom. And other translations talk about wisdom and understanding, the ability to be able to know and understand the things that are right and true. But a step further than that, to be able to make the best choices that create the best outcomes is really what wisdom and understanding is all about. We're also told that he will have the knowledge and skill to rule his people. Again, other translations use words like counsel and might that we often focus on at Christmas time. And the idea here is that this king is going to give sound, practical direction, be able to make the good decisions about what we need to do, but also have the strength and the courage to follow through on those decisions, especially when they're difficult. This king is also going to know the Lord's will and honour him and find pleasure in obeying him. Know what God is like. Know what God's will is, what God's best is, and then honour God by obeying him and following through on that. Other translations actually talk here about the knowledge and fear of the Lord, which I think is a good thing for us just to kind of do a little sidetrack on because sometimes we read throughout Scripture this word, the fear of the Lord, and we can have an unhealthy understanding of what that looks like. The fear of the Lord for us, we can kind of, whenever we think about fear, we think about, oh, scared, something intimidating, something's going to come and get me. But whenever this word, the fear of the Lord, is used throughout Scripture, it's more the idea of reverential awe. This sense of, takes my breath away. That's staggering. That's mind-blowing. I can't believe it. I kind of think about when you go out away from the city. We had the privilege of going out into the middle of Australia earlier this year and got to actually see the stars again for the first time in a fair while. And when you stand out there and you look up at the stars and you see the Milky Way and you think about all the galaxies and think about how vast the universe is, there's a sense where your breath is just taken away. There's a sense where it's like, that is so big and so huge, it takes my breath away. And when we recognise that our God is the one who created all of that, that steps that up to a whole other level. And so whenever we read about this idea of the fear of the Lord, that's what we're tapping into, that sense of this emotion to say God is so big and so vast and so incredible, it's astounding. And so that's helpful for us to recognise that this new king is going to come and to follow through on the will of God not because he's scared, the fear of the Lord, but because he wants to, because there's a sense of joy, of pleasure, of delight in doing what God asks. And so the first values that we can see this king is going to bring is wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and obedience. 
These are the values of the king. Being able to understand who God is and what God is really like and then doing what God says is the best way for us to live our lives. Pairing those two things together, wisdom and obedience. Saying, how do I understand who God is and then live my life with a sense of joy and delight in following what he's got for me? We continue on in verse 3. Where Isaiah says, This new king will judge not by appearance or hearsay. He will judge the poor fairly and defend the rights of the helpless. At his command, the people will be punished and evil persons will die. He will rule his people with justice and integrity. So it's good for us to recognize that this new king is not going to judge people by hearsay or appearance, not by what other people say about them or by how they look. This new king is going to judge the poor fairly and defend the rights of the helpless, which sadly we know is not what people in positions of power often do. Often they focus more on the powerful and saying, how do I have more of them to help me build my base? But this king is going to take people at face value. He's going to recognize what they're really like. He's going to have a heart for the poor and the helpless. However, we also read that this king is going to punish people and evil people will die, which doesn't really fit with everything else that we're saying. So what's going on here? Well, I think the message translation of this is actually really useful because the message translation says, A mere breath from this king's lips will topple the wicked. Each morning he'll put on sturdy work clothes and boots and build righteousness and faithfulness in the land. And so this is a good reminder that Jesus doesn't come on a horse with a sword to physically, with violence, come and punish those who are evil. But rather through his commands, through his words, through the very breath that's on his lips, people will realise what's right and what's wrong and recognise this is not the way that we're supposed to live our lives and turn in the opposite direction. Each morning this king will get up and build Righteousness, so right living, and faithfulness, being able to follow through with what God wants him to do. So the next value of the king that we see is going to be a part of the kingdom is the value of justice in the true sense of the word. Justness for all people, regardless of what they look like, regardless of what other people say about them, regardless of whether they have much or not much, but especially for those who are poor and helpless, those who are on the margins, everyone is going to get a fair go. This sense of justice is what this king is going to bring in as a part of his kingdom. Isaiah then seems to shift gears completely here and talk about something completely different. He says, Wolves and sheep will live together in peace, and leopards will lie down with young goats. Calves and lion cubs will feed together, and little children will take care of them. Cows and bears will eat together, and their calves and cubs will lie down in peace. Lions will eat straw, as cattle do. So for me, as someone who often gets distracted when I'm in the middle of something, I feel like that's a bit of what happened for Isaiah here, that he's in the middle of talking about this kingdom that's going to come, and it's almost like he looked out his window and saw some animals <laughs> frolicking around or something. It's like, oh, lions and tigers and bears, oh my! That's probably not what he's talking about, because throughout Scripture, what we read Whenever we talk about this idea of peace and harmony, regularly we use the imagery of animals, creation, 
in harmony and working together. In particular, dangerous animals, animals that prey on other animals that are weak and helpless, lying down together, eating together, being at harmony with one another is a significant message that we see throughout Scripture whenever we talk about this idea of peace. And so Isaiah is saying when this king comes, that's what's going to be the experience. As we look at all of these things that are normally at conflict with each other, it's not just that they're going to go to separate parts of creation and kind of sit by themselves. They're going to be complete, whole, the way that things are supposed to be. They're going to be able to sleep next to each other. They're going to be able to eat together. Everything's going to shift. Now, there is also an understanding that Isaiah may have been using this as a metaphor or as a word picture where he's talking about people who prey on those who are weaker, people who come and attack others who are helpless. And so he may also be saying that as we think about people who traditionally clash, don't get on well together, they will also be able to live in peace and harmony with one another. It really doesn't matter which picture we tap into. The next value of the king that we see lived out is our key theme for today, this idea of peace. Peace right across all of creation, everything the way that it's supposed to be. And as we've said, not just the absence of war or the absence of conflict, but actually living together with a sense of peace, caring for each other, eating together. Isaiah takes this significantly further in verse 8 when he uses another very stark image. He says, Even a baby will not be harmed if it plays near a poisonous snake. Now, in actual fact, in the original translation, it's not just talking about the idea of there's a snake on the ground and there's a baby over here. It's talking about these little holes that used to appear in different places around Israel that had these deadly asps or adders that lived in them. And so if you were walking around, you knew you had to be really, really careful that if you were near one of these holes, at any moment, bang, a snake could jump out and these were deadly poisonous snakes. So as a responsible parent, you would never leave your baby next to one of these holes where there's the possibility that one of these snakes is going to come out and attack. And yet Isaiah says, when the king's values are established, when the king's kingdom is established, you'll be able to leave your baby next to where a poisonous snake is and everything's going to be completely fine. And for me, it really helps me to tap into this idea of saying, there's no need to stress, there's no need to worry, there's no need to fear. That sense that we have of trying to protect our kids as parents, that kind of can get the better of us at times. Being able to say, no, they're going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. There's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to stress about. There's nothing to fear. Even with these deadly animals around, everything's going to be fine. That's the sense of peace, completeness, that we understand is going to come with this new king. And then Isaiah rounds out in verse 9 by saying, On Zion, God's sacred hill, there will be nothing harmful or evil. The land will be as full of knowledge of the Lord as the seas are full of water. So Zion, we've talked about before, is this mountain on which the city of Jerusalem was built. And for the Israelites, it was a very sacred place. It was a place where there was an understanding, this is where God lives. This is where you do get to experience things the way that they're supposed to be. And so Isaiah says, on Zion, Jerusalem, the place where God is, there'll be nothing harmful or evil. 
Again, we'll experience life the way that God always wanted it to be. And how much is that going to be true? Well, as full as the seas are of water. And don't miss how profound that statement is. Because just think about it for a moment. How much of the sea does not have any water in it? None. If it's the sea, it's got water in it. And anything that's in the sea, how much is that in contact with water? A lot. <laughs> all of the fish, all of the sea animals, all the stuff that's on the bottom of the ocean, all of those things are completely in contact with the sea. And Isaiah takes that very profound image and says, when the kingdom is established, that's how much everyone in the whole land will know and understand God. There won't be anything that is not in contact and in touch with God. Understanding who God is and what God is like. Living and experiencing everything that God has got for us. And at the core of all of that is this deep sense of peace. Everyone is going to experience that wholeness and that completeness that we've focused on throughout today. So, as we begin to wrap up our time today question for us to reflect on as we head into this week and as we head rapidly towards Christmas is simply this. What does it look like for us to be people of peace as we head into this week? If this is the kingdom that has been given to us, if this is at the core of the kingdom that this king comes to set up, what does it look like for us to embrace those things? And we can tap back into the themes that we've looked at today. What does it look like for us to embrace an understanding and a knowledge of God? If we really recognize what God is like, if we really understand who God is and what God has done for us, then that should create a sense of peace for us, a sense of wholeness, a sense of completeness. How much are we making decisions? How much are we allowing that to shape our thoughts, our motives and our actions? Recognizing who God is and what's God, what God has done should allow us to experience this deep sense of peace that is so much a part of the kingdom. Justice. As we head towards Christmas, are we passionate about justice, especially for those who are on the margins and those who are struggling? Are we working for peace for those who don't get to experience peace? As we go through our week this week, as we spend time doing whatever it is that we do on Christmas Day, are we going to give some thoughts to those who are struggling and what it looks like to extend God's peace to them? And then over all of that, are we people who are working for peace? Are we peacemakers, peace creators, people who are actively working to create peace in the different circles in which we get to live and work? Are we people who are putting on the sturdy work clothes and boots that help to build God's kingdom? as we head into this week. All of these things have been given to us as a gift that we celebrate the beginning of on Tuesday. Jesus makes it very, very clear that this kingdom has actually been established. It's not something that we have to wait for. Yes, there's an element where we will experience it 100% of the time when we pass from this life into the next. But Jesus actually says before his death, and resurrection, that the kingdom is here, the kingdom is at hand, the kingdom is amongst us now. We have the opportunity this week to be able to experience the kingdom and to be able to live that out. 
But not only that, we also have the opportunity to create what that kingdom looks like for the people that we interact with, whether that's our families, our friends, our neighbours, whoever it is that we spend time with this week. We are the ones who can help people to literally experience heaven on earth because the kingdom has come through the arrival of this king who we celebrate his birth on Tuesday. So I'm going to pray that as we head into this week, we would be encouraged, inspired about what that looks like and then challenged and motivated about how we can live that out in our own lives. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you have come to give us peace, that you have come to give us hope, that you've come to give us love, and that you have come to give us joy. We thank you that because of the arrival of this little, tiny, helpless baby who grows into a man who changes the world, we have the opportunity to be able to experience all that you have always wanted for us. Since before creation, your desire has always been for us to be able to live at peace with you and at peace with each other and at peace with this creation that you have made. And so we thank you that you've now done everything necessary through Jesus' life, death and resurrection to open that up to us. You've given us the opportunity this week to experience your peace in significant and tangible ways. You've given us the opportunity this week to live in a peace-filled relationship with you. You've given us the opportunity to live in a peace-filled relationship with those that we interact with. You've given us a peace-filled opportunity to live with the creation around us. And so I pray that as we go into this week, that you would remind us that our lives are not about us trying to earn all of that, trying to work hard enough that we can somehow deserve it, nor are our lives about trying to work hard enough to pay off what you have done for us. But our lives are simply about living out of the freedom that you extend to us, the freedom that comes because of you, Jesus, because of all that you've done for us. So help us to continue to be people of peace as we head into this week, this Christmas, and this new year. In your name we pray. Amen.